my daughter, Joelle Axton, and she's at uh, Plowshares, our community liaison, and our uh, the advisor on our little garden we've just uh, started uh, this year. And she has had uh, uh, several summers of experience working with various uh, communities that are uh, self-sustaining and doing various kinds of agriculture. I just want to talk, have her talk a little bit then about her uh, experience. She first with the Catholic workers and then with Anatoth and uh, then her work in Indiana and up in Kirksville. Okay, so uh, after during my freshman year of college, I was studying philosophy and getting very tired of all the abstractness of it, so I just knew that I wanted to do something with my hands. And I didn't even know what the Catholic Worker Movement was, but I found a posting uh, for a farm in Springfield saying they could always use help, so I just called them up and asked if I could come spend a summer with them. So I ended up spending a few months at Trinity Hills, which is uh, in Rogersville, Missouri, and it's a house and farm and they're inspired by the Catholic Worker Movement, which was co-founded by Dorothy Day and Peter Morin. And this is an unusual Catholic Worker because they're directly supported by the the Catholic Church in the Diocese of Springfield and Cape Girardeau. Uh, but it's just a family, and uh, they keep a herd of Jacob sheep, which is a rare breed, um, and some goats, and they have chickens, um, so they donate eggs to local food pantries, and they also provide hospitality to people experiencing homelessness. So I spent some time there, and I just did basic chores, taking care of the animals, and uh, property upkeep, clearing brush away from the fence, moving some rocks around. Uh, I helped build a bell tower there. Um, so it was... It was uh, just really simple tasks, but I found it really, really meaningful, and I think I changed more during that three months than any other time of my life, just because it was a steady mix of work and prayer. So we we prayed the Liturgy of the Hours, not all of, all of them, but we prayed morning prayer and evening prayer every day, and yeah, I just really felt part a real part of that community there. And a big part of it was that I was actually getting to use my body to do good work. Um, so that was a really good experience, and I really fell in love with the Catholic Worker Movement and started reading more of Dorothy Day and Peter Morin's Easy Essays, or these short snippets you can look up. So that was the first summer. And then the next summer I knew I wanted to do something again. Um, involving farm work, and I had run across a book called Making Peace with the Land, which was co-written by Norman Wearsba and Fred Banson. Uh, and it told the story of this community garden in North Carolina, which was which came to be after there was shootings in the community and uh, some racial tension. And so a community member said, what can we do? Um, to cultivate peace here, and so they decided to just start a community garden. Um, and it grew from that, and now they lease a larger farm, and um, now they operate a CSA for over 100 members, and um, it's a sliding scale CSA, so 
uh, low-income members either pay a reduced price or get their CSA share for free, and then the other members of the CSA subsidize the cost. Um, So I spent uh, the summer there, and that was also another wonderful experience, and got to meet some people from the Duke Divinity School uh, that are writing about agrarianism and theology and the intersections of that. But again, what was meaningful wasn't the, I don't know, intellectual conversation or the readings we did, but it was just the the grittiness of the work. And uh, North Carolina is pretty hot in the summer, so we were all had to uh, bear through it together and... I think it was just a beautiful experience because we all came from such different backgrounds, completely different uh, religious understandings and um, denominational backgrounds, and probably had all kinds of differences, but that all sort of melts away when you're planting vegetables together or delivering a box of vegetables to a community member that's shut into their house. Um, And so I just found real, I don't know, I found God in the garden because we were able to have conversation and fellowship in a way that I hadn't found before. And that summer just taught me that I think uh, working together can be a good first step in reconciling differences. And then this last summer, I spent three months at the White Violet Center for Eco-Justice in Terre Haute, Indiana, which is a ministry of the Sisters of Providence. Um, So some Catholic sisters, and they just felt that they needed to start a ministry that would encourage people to be better stewards of the earth. And they decided the best way for them to do that was to keep a herd of alpacas and teach fiber crafts, but also to have an uh, organic farm and run a CSA. And so I just spent the summer weeding and scooping alpaca poop, um, but also spending time with these sisters. Um, So I described it as having like 200 grandmothers who are social justice motivated and in love with the earth. Um, yeah, and it was, again, a beautiful time. And this third summer was different because I wasn't necessarily with other Christians in the in the farm work. It was a whole mix of a lot of different people. And again, I found that working together um, was a very constructive way to, to build relationships. And then, uh, there, as I understand it, in northern Missouri, there's uh, several communities uh, that are uh, Christian communities and not that are doing sustainable agriculture and you've uh, uh, at least connected with them and have a, some sort of uh, acquaintance. Yeah, so I think Northeast Missouri is a really, really special place in all of the earth. Um, there's a, in La Plata, Missouri, or just outside of La Plata, I guess, there's a road called Frontier Lane, and there's several different families and communities that are homesteading there, and they're off the grid. Um, probably the most well-known one is the Possibility Alliance, which was started by a Quaker family, and they're just they're committed to radical simplicity and nonviolence and the gift economy, and they're war tax resistors, and they do that legally by being below the the income level that requires them to pay taxes. Um, and they they garden, and they try to eat as locally as possible. They don't use electricity. Um, some of the other communities on Frontier Lane use solar panels or generators, but they they light 
they use candlelight when it gets dark and they just go to bed with the when the sun sets um and they're committed to not using fossil fuels as much as that's possible so they don't ride in cars um so they bike a lot they bike everywhere um and they also do a lot of nonviolent direct action so they travel they do ride trains sometimes or other members will travel um and they've done a lot in St. Louis with the Black Lives Matter movement and um yeah just different different action trying to stop uh construction of a power line that's going through the area so the possibility alliance is one and then right next door uh there's the White Rose Catholic Worker which is a similar community um and it's just it's a young couple and their toddler who have moved there and they're also living off grid no electricity no running water no fossil fuels um and they're they're gardening and they've they've, they've built a little house for themselves and they heat it with with wood that they cut throughout the year um and they've done a lot of good work just welcoming people um tell uh, talk a little bit then uh in scripture it seems like there are passages that just talk about the earth uh, you know there you could find both sorts of passages but and and of course a whole theology that would imagine that the earth is uh just going to be burned up anyway so uh why this great concern for uh sustainability yeah, so I hear that a lot. Like, why, why do, why should we care so much? I think people, I think everybody agrees. Like, yeah, to some extent, we have a responsibility to not be wasteful or greedy. And yes, we should conserve resources. But um, I've met a lot of Christians who think it doesn't make sense to sort of be concerned for this extremely long-term sustainability of our lifestyle. Um, and they read verses to me, like Second Peter three. Uh, let's see, I'm going to read 2 Peter 3 from verse 9, actually verse verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So I hear verses like that, and they say, I mean, God's going to destroy this earth, and um, I just don't see why that should be your highest concern. Um, and, and I actually really like this verse because what it says is the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So it's not, it's not that when the day of the Lord comes uh, in an instant, n- none of this will matter, but it's that what we've been doing here and the way in which we've been interacting with creation will become evident. And the other thing I think that we have to recognize is that you can't separate uh, peace with people from peace with the land. So it's not like this ranking system. Should we care for environmental issues above social justice issues and human rights issues? No, it's that those are so closely integrated. They can't be separated. Um, Ecological degradation affects people who are in the deepest poverty um, in the underdeveloped parts of the world. So in that sense, it can't be separated. Um, and and in another sense, also, I think we can't separate it because uh, the lifestyles we're leading and the virtues that we're cultivating are directly related to the way in which we interact with our n- natural environment. Um, so if we're leading greedy lifestyles um, and selfish lifestyles, 
that's also going to be what's bad for people and bad for the earth. But if we're trying to follow Jesus and being selfless um, and being gentle and humble and meek and patient, that's going to involve interacting with our physical surroundings in a way that's also gentle and patient and humble. And that kind of, and it's difficult work and and it goes against the grain of, uh, society, but that way of interacting with the earth is what's also going to lead to, uh, it's a good training ground, I guess is what I'm saying, um, for cultivating the kind of virtues that the church should have. So just in uh, a, a kind of a summing up then of a, uh, an, an understanding of the church and of how salvation works, how, how would you incorporate uh, the uh, peace with the land and uh, I don't know with atonement theory or with an understanding of the church and how those all fit together mm. <laughs> it's a hard question um, I mean so I, I like to ask myself and other people what is what do you think it is that we're saved to and for me what I've experienced um in these different communities and in my daily life is that um, working out my salvation involves learning how to live into God's peace. Um, And just from my firsthand experience, I've felt that and experienced that. And it's made sense to me when that involves living in a way that, um, that allows each person to have dignity and to do work that is meaningful and creative. And I've seen that best worked out in situations where um, we're doing the hard work of evaluating how we're living and the impact we're having um, on our surroundings. And yeah, just going back to the original um, task we were given of of keeping the garden. Um, yeah, and I think it fits in uh, to the atonement because... You know, I don't. I don't think we can be good environmentalists in the end without the hope that Jesus offers, but also without imitating his uh, his way of life and his death. And we also need the hope of the resurrection. So I know I have a lot of friends who are environmentalists, and they're much better at it than I am, um, and they live gentler than I do, but they lack the hope, um, and it can be devastating because. They just think, wow, we're destroying this world and my small efforts aren't going to make a difference. But I think the Jesus example, but also the hope he offers can make us uh, the best stewards of the earth. Can I ask you one last question? And that is that we we have kind of, our little garden is sort of near, at this point nearly just symbolic, but at least we've, we've done something. And so here at uh, plowshares we're trying to uh, in, incorporate uh, the garden into everything that we're doing and eventually reach out we haven't done that yet but just beginning so what would be your vision for how a community like we have here might incorporate the garden sure um, I mean I don't know how successful we'll be at growing food but I think um, something like a little community garden can be good for us here. Maybe not because we're going to be growing a large proportion of what we're eating, but just because it forces us to come into real contact with 
soil and rabbits that eat our radishes and things like that. So, so I hope that it can, that we can have enough area that people can plant what they want, but also just come here to take a few minutes to breathe and, um, I don't know, get some blood flowing and interact with the earth. Okay. Thank you, Joelle. And, uh, we'll be talking with Joelle more, I hope. As uh, next next year, we're going to expand the garden. She has plans, I think, for a larger garden uh, and uh, that uh, more participants. Is that right? Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you.